We are about 14 months into a series on having a spiritual Christianity because we want to actually know and walk with the Holy Spirit of God. We don't want just memorized prayers and routine rituals that we go through without knowing God himself. So we've been spending uh, a long time on a lot of different subjects, but having a spiritual worldview and a spiritual faith. And last Sunday, I talked to you about how to hear the Holy Spirit. We want a relationship with the person of God, not just some memorized routines in our religious life. Can I hear an amen? amen. Okay, yes. Our prayers ought to be two-way conversations with a person just like every other conversation you've ever had with a person. But unfortunately, most of our prayers are shopping lists. We blast off to God everything we need and want, and then we go on about our day. And when we read our Bible, it's just to get our chapter in so that we can say we did it. And there is value in that, actually. You need to force yourself to do it, even if it's dry and routine. But it should always be dry and routine. There should be relationship there. God is speaking all the time. Job says God is speaking constantly, and it's us that is not perceiving what he's saying. We looked at that scripture last week. Jesus said, you have eyes, but you're not seeing, and you have ears, but you're not hearing. Jesus said there's things going on in the spirit world, what he called the kingdom of heaven, that you're not listening to, you're not picking up on. So we've been talking for a long time about how to perceive things in the spirit, how to see what Jesus saw and how to hear what Jesus heard. So I'm talking to you this morning again about listening for the voice of God, how to sense the leading of the Holy Spirit in your heart. And for those of you who weren't here last week, I'm sorry, there is no recording because our computer went on the blink and we fixed it and then a different part blew up and so we're getting a new computer, but it'll be a week or so. You may have noticed the worship screens didn't look normal because we're having to use PowerPoint instead of our normal programming. And So there is no recording from last week. You'll just have to ask somebody who was here if you want to hear my stories. But last week I talked about the really basic intro is we just have to pay attention to the Holy Spirit of God and perceive what he's speaking and do our best to understand and obey. And I talked to you about being awake and sober in your spirit um, as opposed to being entertained by all the distractions of the world, but actually forcing time to be quiet and slowly pay attention to what the Holy Spirit is doing and saying. Today I want to continue that, how to hear the word of the Lord in your own spirit. How do I know what's God and what's my own idea and what's a bad shrimp taco from last night? Uh, before I get into how do we do it, I want to tell you, uh, I want to put some boundaries around it because there might be somebody who's a little worried that I'm going off into woo-woo land to, uh, is away from the word of God and correct biblical doctrine and so we're just going to put a fence around what I'm going to say this morning and so I want to start with when do we not need a word from God when do we not need a feeling or a leading of the spirit or a sensing of what the spirit might say all right number one is I do not need a word from God in order to obey the commands of the Bible all right I do not need the Holy Spirit to tell me Mitch don't lie because it's already in the book. I told you last week, the Bible is the place to start. And if you want to hear from God, crack that book. And every word in there is God speaking directly to you. God will never contradict it. And everything in there is foolproof. Any fool can do it. 
Just read it and obey it, and you will be listening to God and hearing from God. Amen. Amen. I don't need God to tell me, Mitch, don't murder and don't lie, because he already did. I can't go through my day and I told a lie because God didn't tell me not to. He's already told me not to. All right? It's already there. I don't need the Holy Spirit to obey my conscience. I backed into a car at the stock show on Friday. Yes. I crushed their fender. Pretty bad. I moved the whole car sideways. Backing into it with my pickup. Shoved the car sideways. No one heard it. No one saw it. Except Sarah and God. I was so angry at where this ended up being a woman. So I'm not picking a woman, but it was a woman. Where this woman had parked. She was right out in the street in the middle of the driveway where we were coming into the parking lot and I'd driven around her and then we stopped and we talked and we didn't find a spot and I was trying to back back out on the street. I'm looking at all three mirrors and my pickup is so high and I got a camper shell on there and I can't, I did not see the car in any of my three mirrors and I just (coughs) crushed it. I was so tempted to just drive off because nobody saw it and heard it. Sarah and I were both pretty upset at the way she had, where she had parked and and, and, and I, all the rationalizations run through my mind. Well, she's got insurance and it'll pay for her. And I don't need to pay my deductible for my insurance to pay for it. And my insurance go up because she's the idiot that parked where she did. And <sighs> can't get away with that. So I wrote my name and phone number on a piece of paper. There's no way I'm going to find this driver in the whole stock show. So I wrote my name and number on a piece of paper, put it on her windshield, and then prayed for rain. And it did rain, and I was very hopeful that it had washed away, and at least I could ease my conscience saying, well, I tried, God. But alas, yesterday morning I got a call from a Portland number. I think you backed into my car. Yes. I let her know I was not pleased with her parking, but I said it was all my fault. She thanked me twice for being honest. I think she was totally shocked that I had actually turned myself in. So now i got a $500 deductible to pay. Not once in any of that did the Holy Spirit say, Mitch, do this. Mitch, put your name and phone number on the paper. Mitch, tell her. He doesn't need to. Because my conscience was right there telling me to do it. And I know what's right and wrong. We do not need the Holy Spirit. If you know what's right, you do not need the Holy Spirit to second that opinion. You're not off the hook. Well, God didn't tell me to. Hello? We do not need a word from God to confess our own sin. You already have that word. It's in this book. It's in there hundreds of times, actually. Confess your sin. Now listen, don't trip over this when I'm not saying you don't need the Holy Spirit. Because I know that if you, be, if you come to a realization of sin and you're confessing your sin and getting saved, that is the Holy Spirit working in you. Hello? But he isn't going to shout it through a, me- a megaphone where you can physically hear it. He isn't going to write it in the sky. Mitch, you need to confess what you did to Sarah. It's just, I know what, what is right. I don't need his secondary spiritual voice. It's there, but we know what's right. Yep. We don't need an unction or a leading of the Spirit to repent from our own sin. It's already there. We know it. We don't need a word or an instruction to be baptized. And again, don't trip over that because I know that if somebody is desiring to be baptized when they weren't before, that is the work of the Holy Spirit. I, I, I totally 
intend that. I know that. But if you see something in the Word that Jesus commands and it's good and it's right, and you're like, well, should I do that now? Yes, yes, because the Bible says so. Yes, you don't, we don't need to wait for the Holy Spirit to confirm what the Bible already says. We don't need a leading from God in our own heart to put our faith in the promise of Scripture. Whatever you find in here, you can put your faith in. You can bank on it. It's foolproof. Okay? Next, we don't need a word or a leading or a feeling to share the gospel. You're going in through the checkout line and you have the thought come to you, Tell the cashier that Jesus loves her. Well, is that God or is that me? It doesn't matter. Do it. Yes. Say God bless you to your waitress to ask your gas pumper if he knows Jesus. Whatever it is, if that's the time and the place, sometimes it might be the Holy Spirit. Sometimes it might just be your own idea. But yay, God, do it. We don't need to know whether that's a word or a leading. It's just right. Amen. Amen. We don't need the leading of the Spirit or a word of God to warn someone against sin and unrighteousness. If somebody's in trouble with God, it's our duty to warn them. It is the command of Scripture to warn them that God is real and that His love is real, but also that His judgment is real and that heaven and hell are real. We don't need the leading of the Spirit to love somebody. Well, I saw that person in need, but God didn't tell me to take care of it, so I kept right on driving. Or I was too busy, or whatever. You don't get ourselves off the hook because the Holy Spirit didn't shout it in our ear. Yeah? I'm putting a fence around what I'm going to say, which is how to know when it is God. We don't need a word to forgive. We got the word to forgive. Here it is. Many, many, many times. Many times. And again, I understand that forgiveness is the work of God in our heart. It is the Holy Spirit. But it may not be this command in your heart, Mitch, you need to forgive. Like, I already know that. And I'm not off the hook until the Holy Spirit tells me because the Word already told me. I don't need a leading or a word to tithe. Just race on through that one. And I don't need a leading or a word of God to take care of someone in need. Well, God didn't tell me to go mow the widow's lawn down the street. God didn't tell me to take care of the fatherless child or the prison inmate. Well, yeah, but Jesus did. Right here. Jesus said, go and meet them. The sick and disabled, the destitute poor. And one last thing. When what we don't need God's Holy Spirit leading about is God will never, never, ever, ever contradict himself. He will never command or excuse your sin. We cannot say, well, God told me it's okay to live with this person I'm not married to. It will never, never, never happen. God will never tell you it's a, that his morality has changed and his commands of scripture have changed and that homosexuality is now okay. Or that you, I understand why you're too poor to tithe. You're exempt from that. Or God will never command you to divorce your spouse and marry somebody else. Although I told you last week, I know two women personally who did that and blamed it on God. That's not God. He will never, ever, ever command or excuse or permit you to sin. Never. But not all of life is a Bible verse. 
there are big decisions we have to make that you're not going to find in Scripture, like where should I go to college? What job does God want me in? I'm getting this uh, offer of a promotion, but it involves a big move, and I don't know if, if this is God or is should I stay here where I have family and a church and a home, and those decisions you're not going to find them in Second Chronicles 14. Hello? There are big decisions we have to make where you're not going to find chapter and verse Bible instruction. You're going to have to know the voice of the Holy Spirit in your own heart. We have to determine what God, the person, is saying inside of us. Because we're not in a relationship with a book. We're in a relationship with a person. So there are big questions and decisions and situations and conflicts we get ourselves into. And the Bible has guidance but not exact instruction. Like, again, where should I go to college or what job should I do or is this move that I'm pondering, is this God or is it just me being bored and I want adventure and I want change? I've seen a lot of people do that. They just move because they want something to change. And it doesn't go well when that happens. You feel the call to missions or ministry of some sort, and obviously missions is the instruction of the church, but not every single person's instructed to be a pastor or a missionary. So I feel that. Is it just because I went to a conference and now I'm on a high, but two weeks from now I'll be just as spiritually dead as I was before? Or am I actually called to do this? Is this the right person to marry? That's a big one you're not going to find in chapter and verse. The Bible has plenty to say about who you shouldn't marry, and it has plenty to say about what kind of person you should marry, but your specific girlfriend or boyfriend, it does not say, oh yes, this is who you should marry. You've got to know the voice of God in that. And that one's particularly tricky, because you have a lot of feelings about what that should be. Mm-hmm. Is this the right person to marry? Maybe it's buying a house or making a big investment. Uh, maybe it's contemplating an adoption. There are big decisions. Should I leave my job? There's sometimes it's right to leave a church, and we have to contemplate and pray and fast about that. Sometimes in your family or at work or in church, there's this big conflict, and you're pondering, should I speak up, or should I just keep quiet and let it play out? Both of those are scriptural. There are Bible verses that, command us to speak up for right and wrong and there's bible verses that say keep your mouth shut and let the fool learn on their own which one should i do now follow the holy spirit so i'm here today to give you some help in that and how do you know what's god and what's not you know do i maintain this relationship or do i cut it off and i'm not talking about marriage but there are other relationships where god will tell you you will want to run for everything in you. You'll want to run. And God will say, no, you stay and you keep loving and you keep forgiving. And yes, I know you're hurting terribly, but you stay and you keep loving that kid. Or you keep loving your dad or whatever. And then other times he's like, all right, it's fine. This is off the table for now. This is done. I don't know. It's different in every relationship and every person's life. Both of those are scriptural. So... Like I said, not everything's a Bible verse. We have to know what the Holy Spirit is telling us to do. So again, I'm just drawing a line around where we're going here in a little bit. How do we know what's God and what's not? 
in these situations and the decisions and things we find ourselves in in life, we honestly want to please God and we want to know what His will is. But another thing I want to say before we dive in is that God does not expect you to be a thoughtless robot. You have a brain for a reason. You are free to think. Even as a Holy Spirit, charismatic Christian, you are free to think. God does not want you to be a robot. Our Heavenly Father does not micromanage our daily life. There are some people who act that way. They talk that way. When you listen to them talk, what you hear is that God told them to do everything they did. Like God told them what color of underwear to wear this morning. God tells them what to eat. God tells them everything they do. Well, God told me. One of two things is happening, or maybe both. This person is trying to appear super spiritual, and they're really just crazy and arrogant. But they're trying to put on that persona of God and I are like this. Or this person is trying to be above correction. You can't blame me because everything I do, I heard directly from God. You can't lead me, you can't correct me, you can't teach me. I'm above blame. Hello? If you run into one of those people, and they've come through this church before, it's nobody in the room right now, just <laughs> chill out. But they've come through this church before, stay away from those people. They are very dangerous. They are either going to be super spiritual and they want to convince you that everything they do, they get a download from heaven. And so anything they tell you, you're supposed to obey thoughtlessly. Or they're trying to say, you can't correct me, you can't teach me, you can't lead me because everything I do is perfect. I hear from God. That is not God. God does not micromanage our day. You have a brain for a reason. You have free will for a reason. Can I get an amen? amen? All right. We combine thought and wisdom and relationship and the Holy Spirit and we find truth. Sometimes God does make some micromanaging decisions. I've come to a stop sign before and I was planning on going one direction and God says, go the other way. Like that's only happened a couple of times in my life, but a couple of times God's told me literally how to steer my car. And when I get somewhere, then there's a divine appointment. There's been a couple of times, I don't know why, but it's on a Sunday morning, I'm reaching for a shirt, and God says, no, don't wear that, wear this one. I have no idea why he would care what color shirt I wear, but if I'm going to honestly try to obey his every command, then I do it. But it's only happened two or three times in 11 years. It's not all day, every day. Yeah? There's been times I had plans to go to a certain place for lunch, and God says, no, go to this place. And I go to that place, and there's some sort of divine appointment. And then other times there isn't, and I don't know if I missed God or it was it just that my stomach wanted taco instead of burger. I, I don't know. But I'm doing my best to follow what I think is God as long as it doesn't hurt anybody. My wife would probably say, you don't need a taco or a burger. Go get a salad. Taco salad. <laughs> we are free to think for ourselves as long as we are willing to surrender at any moment. You are free to make business decisions, financial decisions, family decisions, 
missions decisions, anything. You are free to go down the path that presents itself as long as when you start down that path, if the Holy Spirit says, oh, okay, fine, yes, all right, I'll come back here, and I guess that wasn't it. You're free to think. You're free to be you. You're not a Holy Spirit robot like some people want to project themselves to be. We're free to think, but we will never find God through thought alone. We cannot think our way to God. Lots of Western Christians think that, pun intended. They think they can think their way to God. If I know this book and I know what it means and I have all my doctrines in a row, then I will know God. Well, the Pharisees thought that too, and you see where that ended up with them. We cannot know God through thought alone. It does not exclude thought, but thought is only one piece of many pieces in the puzzle. We absolutely must be willing to exercise faith in mystery. When we don't know what God is doing, we obey anyway. We have to obey the unexplained. We have to follow into darkness where we don't know what's coming. We don't know what is ahead. We don't know why God is doing what he's doing. It doesn't make any sense to me, but I know this is God and I have to do it. We have to be willing to self-sacrifice past the point of pain. God will lead us into very painful situations and relationships. Thought would never take us there, but God will. You're going to sacrifice to love this person and forgive this person. So humility is the key. Not thought, humility is the key to following the Holy Spirit. 1 Kings 3, David has died and Solomon has been made king. God comes to Solomon in a dream and says, Ask me whatever you want and I will give it to you. Solomon says this, O Lord my God, you have made me king, but I am a little child. He is 41 or 2 years old. God, I am a little child. I do not know how to go out or come in. And your servant is in the midst of your people, whom you have chosen, a great people, too numerous to be numbered or counted. Therefore give to your servant an understanding heart to judge your people, that I may discern between good and evil. God made him the wisest person that ever lived. And what resulted in him being the wisest person that ever lived? He was humble right from the very beginning. God, I don't know anything. I am leadable. I am teachable. I am correctable. I am nothing before you, God. I will do whatever you tell me to do, and I won't think I know anything. Give me wisdom. Being willing to be led by God is the beginning of everything. So Solomon says, I don't understand very much. And that's true of me too. No matter what I know, I don't know very much. And that leads me to two conclusions. I need to be instructed and led by the Holy Spirit, and I can't trust my own thoughts. Don't believe everything you think. Even when you think you're hearing from God, don't believe everything you think. Not every thought, not every exciting idea, not every thrilling experience or Every teary worship goosebump or every dream or every word that you think is from the Holy Spirit. But some of them are. So how do we know? So this is my list for this morning. I told you last week I would spend the whole time on this. How do we know what's God? When we feel like God is working situation or leading us in our heart, or we get an idea to go and do something or say something or change this, or how do we know what's God? And 
What's me having a wild idea? Well, I have some ideas. Number one, is it biblically true? Number one, does it work with this? Is it biblically true? Is it good and right according to the Word of God? Whatever this idea that you think might be God telling you to do or say, is it biblically true? Number two, is it moral? God's never going to tell you to do anything that's morally wrong. Can I get an amen? amen. All right. All right. Y'all are welcome to do that more if you want. All right. How do I know what's God? Is it biblically true? Is it moral? Next, does it honor Jesus? If it's going to honor Jesus and increase the kingdom of Christ and increase Jesus in the other people that I'm doing this with or to, then, then it's probably God. It certainly isn't the devil if it honors Jesus, if it increases his kingdom. Next, is it loving and encouraging? Is it loving and encouraging? You get an idea, you think, does God want me to do this? Well, I don't know. We start with, God, I want to be led by you. I want to do what you want me to do. You think you think of something, you hear something, you feel something, you sense something. Okay, is it biblical? Is it good? Is it about Jesus? Is it loving and encouraging? Last Sunday in the quiet time after service, my daughter Erin, uh, 16 years old, had a classmate come to mind. And what specifically did the Lord tell you just to tell her? Okay, God tells Aaron to tell a classmate that he loves her and she's, she's the daughter of a king. So Aaron texted her. Yeah, Aaron sent her a text and she said, I was having a really bad day. Thank you so much. It means a lot that you and God were thinking about me. Is it encouraging? Is it loving? If it's not, it isn't God. It may be corrective. It may be very difficult. It may even be painful, but it will be loving and encouraging. Amen? Okay. Is it going to result in eternal life? Whatever it may be. Does, is it going to result in eternal life? If it is, then it's God. Does it cost me? By that I mean time, money, inconvenience, emotional, whatever. <laughs> Does it cost me? If your idea that you're blaming on God is going to profit you, it might not be God's. <laughs> It might just be something you want to do, and you want to spiritualize it and make it into God. God may do something that profits you. But if it's, honey, God told me to buy this boat. Maybe he did, but let's wait a little while on that. Does it cost me, if it does, if it costs me in some way, and my flesh is like, I'm not sure if I want to do that. Then I know it's God because I don't want to do it. I didn't dream that up. I'm in front of the grocery store and a man's putting cans in the machine and I have the thought in my heart, give that man a $20 bill. And I didn't. I drove off and I did not even got out of town yet and I had the such terror of the Lord striking me. It was miserable Three days later, I would have given that guy $200 to get rid of that feeling that I knew I had grieved the Holy Spirit. Over 20 bucks. The devil isn't going to tell me to give him 20 bucks in Jesus' name. I didn't want to give him 20 bucks. It's God. This is elementary. Amen. This is elementary school, kindergarten faith. If, if I don't want to do it because it will cost me, then it is God telling me to do it. That's what I mean by cost. Does it humble me? 
Is this going to be somehow put you in a vulnerable situation with the world or your family or the people at work? If you speak up in this situation, if you share the gospel in this situation, if you do what is right, is it going to humble you? Then yes, it's God leading you to do it. Does it scare me? If it does, it's probably God. God loves to stretch us out of our comfort zone like he did with Gideon and others in Scripture, but God loves to take fearful, weak people and make us do great things by faith, and he gets the glory. And we get stretched out of what scared us, and we find out it really wasn't all that bad. So if you're in the checkout line and you feel like you should say Jesus loves you to your cashier, but that, oh, I don't know, I don't know if I can do that, well, instantly we know that's God. (laughs) Does it require a leap of faith on my part? Somebody comes to me and he says, Mitch, I'm called to missions, but I'm going to work for the next 15 years and we're going to build up this asset and we're going to pay for this property and then we're going to rent it out and we're going to, map, we're going to live on the rental property and we're going to go to China and we're going to do this. Uh-huh, yeah, that sounds like the Holy Spirit to me. He always tells me what's ahead 45 years from now. Sure. No. No, that is not God. That's your brain running amok. So that you can be in control instead of following the Holy Spirit. Because the Holy Spirit, the Word of God is a lamp unto our feet and a light to our path for the next step only. And we take that one, but we're carrying the light so then we can see the next one. But we have to take that step and we can see the next one. And we take that step and we can see the next one. He does not shine a spotlight 40 years down the road. And if he does, and sometimes he does in a prophecy or a dream, he will tell you your 40 years from now destiny, but it will make no sense. Mostly we reject it, and anything we think about how to get from here to there is totally wrong. We're like, oh yeah, God's taking me there. That's where we're going. Nope, we're going this way, Mitch. Well, you said we were going. Yeah, we'll get there. We'll get there. Does it require a leap of faith? Then it's God. If you got it all figured out, it probably ain't God's leading. It's your own brain. Is it the cross for me? If I have to die to pay some sort of cost to obey this thought that I've had or this idea, it's probably God. If it doesn't cost me anything, it's probably not God. Is it honoring of other Christians and the church as a whole? Even if you get a corrective word, a conviction of the Holy Spirit, a call for holiness, you were in worship, you think you get a word from God and you want to share it, great. But if you tell, come up and tell me, I have a word from God that the Pope is the Antichrist, I'm not giving you the microphone. <laughs> if you want to get up and say, the church is a bunch of sinning hypocrites and we need to get right with God and, and your spirit about that is all angry and judgment and condemnation, I'm not handing you the microphone. A lot of damage has happened in charismatic and Pentecostal churches. People giving the word of the Lord and it destroys everybody's faith. I'm not saying everything has to be teddy bear fuzzy welcoming. Some prophecy in scripture is extremely edgy and hard, but it is always loving and encouraging and hopeful and and saving in the end. And it is honoring of the church as a whole. It isn't God if it badmouths the Baptists or the Catholics or the Pentecostals or whoever else. God's just sick and tired of you. He's going to cut you all off. Even if it's based in fact, it ain't God. 
Is it wise? Well, how do we know what's wise? A really good clue on what's wise is would the world think it's stupid? If you're going to get made fun of for giving your money away or giving your time away or selling your house and moving to Afghanistan or whatever it is that the world mocks us for, calls us bigots and haters, guaranteed that's God. So sometimes the question is to ask ourselves, is this wise? Well, a lot of times God's wisdom is the foolishness of man. So on the first surface of things, it may not seem very wise to quit our job and step of faith and not know what's coming next, but maybe that's God because it is the foolishness of man. Is it peaceful even if it's urgent? Is it peaceful? Sometimes the Lord will begin to stir in your heart, I have this calling for you, you're going to be a missionary, or I want you to go to Bible college and go into the ministry, or whatever that is. That's something you don't have to act on this afternoon. Okay, You can fast and pray and get counsel for years before that begins to roll. Other times the decision of a, like a job promotion comes up available to you, but it would involve a move. And you're like, I don't have years to pray about this. I need to make a decision in the next three weeks. Well, you still have time to go to your elders, your pastor, your parents, mature, lifetime-long Christians, and ask, does this seem right to you? We do not have to be in a hurry. Hello? Other times God will tell you in the moment, do this right now. Like give that $20 bill to that man right there. Or speak up right now. Even in the moments where it's right now, it doesn't have to be a stress ball panic attack. But that will happen because a lot of times our flesh does not want to do what God says do right now. But you still got to get up and do it. And you got to know, you got to think like, if, if I disobey with this, am I going to be really bothered by my conscience for the rest of the afternoon? If you are, then get it done right now. But again, it's not stress ball panic, hurry. It's just, okay, this needs to get done right now. But it's not about hurry and stress. It will be peaceful, even if it's urgent. I told you last week, before I was pastor, oh, I don't know, 16 or 18 years ago, God woke me up in the middle of the night, early on a Sunday morning, 2 a.m., go to the church. It, that's not a decision, that's not an instruction that I normally get. It's not an idea that I would want to get out of bed in the middle of the night and drive into LeGrand and go to the church. So I figured it must be God. So I got up and in those moments, I don't have time to fast and pray. I don't need to call somebody for wisdom. I just have to do it. But it isn't urgent, like stressful, anxiety. It's peaceful. So there may be urgent decisions. There may be very, very, very long, decades-long decisions. Either way, we're not in a hurry. We just obey as soon as we know what God wants. If it's conviction that's in your heart that you think is the Holy Spirit, is there hope and encouragement? The Holy Spirit brings conviction. He brings the terror of God on me. Often, in the middle of the night, I will wake up out of full, solid sleep. All of a sudden, in an instant, I am thinking about something I did during the day 
that I had not thought about, thought about since. And it was sin. And I need to get right with God right now in the middle of the night. In those moments, that is the Holy Spirit. It is scary. It is difficult. I feel bad about what I did, whether I exaggerated or fudged or looked at something online where I shouldn't and didn't get out quick enough or I gave my, I disobeyed God and what he told me to do and I didn't do it or whatever it is. It's the, it's the fear of the Lord that strikes me. But there is always forgiveness that accompanies it. If you are bothered by voices or thoughts or feelings that are you are a miserable failure from 20 years ago, you did that thing, and you have confessed and repented and cried about it often over the last 20 years, but it still bothers you, that's not the Holy Spirit. That's an unholy voice. That's the difference between sinful guilt and holy conviction, is that holy conviction will always bring you to Jesus, to the cross, to the admission of your sin and freedom from the guilt. The unholy voices will lead you to depression and anxiety and self-hatred. Amen? So how do I know if it's God? If it's conviction of sin or correction, there's always going to be hope and encouragement at the end of it. If it's just an endless cycle of guilt and shame, and I wish I hadn't done that, I wish I hadn't said that, I'm such a loser, I'm such a dork, I hate myself, that kind of stuff is not the Holy Spirit bringing your sin up. Next, is there much counsel? Proverbs says, there is wisdom in much counsel, meaning have you asked a lot of people for advice on what you think God might be telling you to do? Well, Mitch, I don't need counsel. I heard from God. No, 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 Tim, no. If you think you've heard from God, bring it to your longtime spiritual friends, pastor, elders, parents, whoever it may be that you trust. Ask a bunch of different people's opinions. I think I heard this from God. What do you think? Both the Old Testament and the New Testament says, let a thing be established by two or three witnesses. The fact that you think you heard from God is one witness. Let's make sure a couple other people agree that there is unity in the relationships that you count as uh, mature and spiritually leading is their counsel. Next, does my authority approve? I try really hard to give you all a big blanket of freedom to follow the Lord because I have learned good and bad ways that I don't hear from God for other people in your decisions about your kids and your finances and your jobs and all of that. Once in a while, somebody comes to me and tells me I, God wants me to do this, and I just know that it's a no. That's not right. It's either immoral and they're justifying it, or they're making a terrible financial decision or ministry decision. Like That ain't going to work. That is not God. And it's true that we have to obey God rather than man, but that is the religious rebel's favorite verse. That's the one that gets brought up. Well, I just have to obey God. Okay. See ya. It gets so misused. It is true that we do have to obey God rather than man. But usually we need our authority's blessing on it. Does your authority approve? Related to that, 
do I have the authority to do or say this thing that I think the Lord is leading me to do? If you think you're going to bring correction to the church, you don't have the authority to do that. You can bring it to me or one of the elders. Uh, on the job, you don't have the authority to correct your boss. If you know there's a problem and the Lord wants you to speak up about it, bring it to the boss's boss. You bring it to your coworkers, that's gossip. Hello? You don't have the authority to go in and correct your boss, but bring the problem to the boss's boss. That's totally legitimate. Some of you who have unsaved adult kids or your parents are not saved, you, you know that you know that you know what God would want them to do. But do you have the relational collateral to speak up? Your 32-year-old son is in full-on rebellion against Jesus and you know, you know, you know what God would say to him. But maybe you just need to be quiet because he isn't going to receive it right now. You may need to speak up no matter what it costs you. Jesus said, if you don't love me more than your kids, you can't have me. So you may need to speak up and lose your kid. But then also, it's also true that maybe you just need to be quiet and let the fool knock his head against the wall for a while until he learns. Same thing with your dad and mom that aren't walking with the Lord or whatever other relationship. Do you have authority to do or say what you think God is telling you? If you don't, then it isn't God. Or maybe it is, but you need to deliver it to the authority, the person who's actually in charge and can do something about it. If you're married, is your spouse in unity? Honey, God told me to sell our house and move to Afghanistan. Whoa, let's uh, put the brakes on that one, honey. Let's talk about this. If you're married, you have to be in unity with your spouse. I had a wife in the church come to me last Sunday and said, my, my husband doesn't want to tithe, and I do. And I know he's wrong, and it's right to tithe. And I had to say, well, my parents did the same thing. My dad refused to tithe, and my mom wanted to, and all you can do is tithe off your own paycheck and let God deal with the other spouse. You can never, ever hit your spouse over the head with, well, God told me to do it, so you need to just go along with it. 1 Corinthians tells husbands, if you were single, all you would have to worry about is pleasing me, but you must please your wife. And the context is, you might not get to do what you think I want you to do. That is the context of that passage. You must please your wife. Wives, the scripture is, win him without a word. If you know he's wrong, you know you know what God wants, be quiet and let God win him. You can't, if it's manipulation, if you pull out, well, God told me we're supposed to do this. Both of you have to know that it's God or you don't do it. Otherwise, it's pressure, it's manipulation. It's wicked. You're using God told me as a hammer to hit your spouse over the head. Don't ever do it. Husbands, you must please your wife also. Wives, winning without a word. Joshua and Caleb, when the spies went into the promised land, they knew that they knew that they knew that they knew that the will of God is invade the land, fight the battle, we will kill the giants. 
Everybody else disagreed. Joshua and Caleb waste 38 more years of their life waiting on everybody else to come to faith. And you never once hear them complain. They just stayed with their people until everybody was ready. You stay with your people. Even if you know that you know that you know what you're supposed to do. There's got to be unity or we don't go forward. All right? Lastly, if none of the rest of these apply, the question is, is it safe? And by safe, I don't mean, um, well, I don't want to go to China because that isn't safe. (laughs) What I mean is, is it safe? Is it not going to cost anyone or hurt anybody? So like my example where God woke me up at 2 a.m. on a Sunday morning and said, go to church. And I went to church and I didn't know why I was here. And he said, go in the building. And I didn't know why I was in the building. And I get up, he said, go up on the stage. And I didn't know why I was on the stage. And I stood at this pulpit. I'm not the pastor. This is like 16, 18 years ago. And all of a sudden, I'm praying in tongues for an hour. It just, boom, it just erupted out of me when I got finally to where he wanted me to go. I had no idea why. But I prayed in tongues for an hour. I went home and went to bed for a couple hours and came back. And there was a big blow up at the church between the pastor at the time and the previous pastor before him. And I knew that I had been here praying about that. When God woke me up at 1 a.m. or whatever it was and says, go to church. That's not biblical. There's not a Bible command, yes or no. I don't need to call anybody for counsel at 1 in the morning. Do you think this is God? Uh, Mitch, you're crazy. Hang up. I, I don't need to consult with Sarah. It's not a decision we need marital unity on. I just need to get my butt out of bed and go. Because it's safe. Meaning, I'm not costing anybody, I'm not hurting anybody, I'm, nobody even knows that I'm here. I just have to do it. Because the Spirit woke me up and told me to do it. Do you see how I'm using the word safe? I'm not costing anybody else anything, I'm not hurting their faith, I'm not manipulating them, pressuring them to do something. It's just me and God in the privacy of the night. He wakes me up and says, pray. Like, okay, it's safe. There's nothing biblical or not biblical about it. I don't need counsel, I don't need fasting. I just, you got to do it. So if nothing else applies, if it just seems like it's something you're supposed to do right now, and I know that Sarah does not expect me to call her if I get a a word of the Lord to give some guy on the street a $20 bill. But if I got the instruction to give him $500, I think she would expect me to call her. And let's talk about that. Hello? And vice versa. I don't need her to call me and check if... She can give the, somebody, you know, this gift of 20 bucks. But if it was 500, yeah, we need to talk about that. Because <laughs> um, that's quite a big chunk of what we have. And you understand what I'm talking about, how about safe. Okay, so another really crazy example. Bobby Connor is a, a traveling preacher in, in the U.S. He has wild, wild stories. But uh, one of them is that the Lord told him late one night brought a picture to his mind of a local convenience store, like a 7-Eleven or something, a place that he knew pretty well, down the street from his house. He said there was, he knew there was a Coke machine outside the, the gas station or whatever it was. He said, go stand on your head in front of that Coke machine. Like, well, that's either a really, really dumb idea or it's God. But it isn't going to hurt anybody if I do it. It doesn't hurt anybody. It's safe. So he goes, drives down, gets on his head in front of the Coke machine. Immediately, a car pulls up and parks in front of him, and the guy jumps out and he says, What are you doing? Why are you there? What are you doing? 
He flips over and stands up. He says, well, God told me to come stand on my head by this Coke machine. He's like, no way! No way! Well, the story is this guy had a pistol in his mouth back home. And he put the pistol down and he says, God, if you're real, I'm going to go down to the 7-Eleven and get a fifth of whiskey and drink myself stupid before I pull this trigger. If you're real, somebody will be standing on their head in front of that Coke machine when I get there. Whoa, God. I don't know if I would go stand on, head, on my head in a Coke machine in Legrand. I don't know. Do I have that kind of faith? But it's safe. It isn't going to hurt anybody. And if I'm wrong, I'm just stupid. <laughs> but if that guy is alive today and serving the Lord, because he, he did not go home and blow his brain out. Because God answered his ridiculous prayer demand that somebody be standing on their head by the Coke machine when he got there. Thank God there was somebody who was listening to the Holy Spirit and did it. We want to be those Christians who not just have eyes in the natural but eyes in our hearts. Who don't just have ears on our head but ears in our heart. Jesus said, you have ears but you're not hearing. Lord, open our ears and make us hear. We truly want you to speak to us. We want to hear and we want to obey. Forgive us for our rebellion, Lord. Forgive us for our hard hearts. Forgive us for being hard of hearing, for ignoring your spirit, for grieving your spirit, Lord. Lord, we want to be those who would follow you with pure hearts, with eagerness to do your will, to serve you, not just to call ourselves your servants, but to actually serve you in what you would instruct. Thank you for depositing your Holy Spirit in our heart. Thank you that you are constantly speaking and guiding. And thank you for your patience and your kindness and your gentleness as we learn how to do this. Lord, I bless every person here. I ask you to open our ears, open our eyes that we see you and what you are doing and what you would have us to do. Thank you for your patience through the trial and error of all that. I bless every person here in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen.